David Auburn is a playwright, screenwriter, and theatre director who attended the University of Chicago and Juilliard. His own plays include Proof, What Do You Believe About the Future, and Skyscraper. He was also a screenwriter for the terrible Sandra Bullock, Keanu Reeves, romantic drama The Lake House, as well as the most recent Charlie's Angels reboot. Auburn's Proof won the 2001 Tony Award for Best Play and the Pulitzer Prize for Drama. And it's this award-winning and wonderful play I want to discuss today. In Proof, we see in the main character, Catherine, reeling from the death of her genius mathematician father who struggled with mental illness, reckoning with her own aspirations and limitations in the same field. The play opens with a short scene where she communes with her father, Robert, as if he was still living. And then much of the play is a back and forth between Catherine and Hal, her father's PhD student and protege, now a professor in his own right, who wants to catalogue her father's files in hope of finding new work. A fourth character, Claire, Catherine's sister who lives in New York, acts as a kind of antagonist who seeks to displace Catherine from their childhood home in Chicago and bring her to New York so that she might return to her studies or possibly seek mental health treatment. Midway through the play, there is a shock reveal. After a romantic encounter with Hal at her father's funeral, Catherine gives him a key to her father's desk where he finds a proof, a scientific body of work with a groundbreaking new theory which Catherine claims to have written herself. I want to take a moment to talk about the production and staging of Proof and its various iterations. Originally produced by the Manhattan Theatre Club in May 2000, the play then moved on to Broadway to the Walter Kerr Theatre by October of the same year. Proof is initially directed by Daniel J. Sullivan, an American director whose more recent productions have included several Shakespeare plays and two by David Lindsay Abair. The original cast had Mary Louise Parker as Catherine, Larry Brigman as Robert, Ben Schenkman as Hal, and Johanna Day as Claire. Other Broadway performances saw big name actresses taking on the role of Catherine, including Jennifer Jason Leigh, and later Anne Hesch, who acted opposite Neil Patrick Harris as Hal. There have been productions in New Jersey, Seattle, LA, and even London, including the West End production in 2002, which notably starred Gwyneth Paltrow as Catherine. She also later starred in the movie version of Proof, alongside Anthony Hopkins and Jake Gyllenhaal. This screenplay was, of course, written by Auburn himself. I'll include some photographs of the first production alongside this podcast episode so that you can see the staging choices made. Typically, the play takes place in two locations, inside the house, which has a kind of hoarder feel to it, and out on the porch, where many of the characters convene to argue. The house overall is supposed to be run down, a point that Claire continues to impress upon her sister throughout. I'll include a link below the podcast to an article about an all-black production in California that I found particularly interesting. The setting feels both key and a minor concern in this play. The play is very compact and concise with four characters only, one true setting, the family home, and while other people are heard or referenced, the party following the funeral, for example, or Claire's fiance in New York, 
The core cast are the only ones seen, and often they are characterised as outsiders or weirdos in some way. For Robert and Catherine, it is their shared ability and mental illness. For Hal, there is a sense, through his reliance on his mentor, that he is a bit of an underachiever in his field. And Claire, of course, is now an out-of-towner, a neurotic New Yorker who looks out of place here. The structure of the play is also worth commenting on. The present-day narrative is fairly linear. We meet Catherine, who then interacts with the other characters the day before, the day of, and the days after her father's funeral. However, we open with an interesting scene where Catherine speaks with her father. Let's hear that now. Where's the problem? The problem is you're crazy. What difference does that make? You admitted. You told me you are. So? You said a crazy person would never admit that. Yeah, but it's... Oh, I see. So? It's a point. So how can you admit it? Well, because I'm also dead. Aren't I? You died a week ago. Heart failure. Quick. The funeral's tomorrow. That's why Claire's flying in from New York. Yes. You're sitting here, you're giving me advice. You brought me champagne? Yes. Which means... For you? Yes. For you, Catherine, my daughter, who I love very much, it could be a bad sign. As you can hear, there's a bit of a reveal or a twist in the tale as we find out in these opening pages that one, a central character is deceased, and two, Catherine's interactions with Robert suggest her to be an unreliable protagonist. This dream sequence really sets the stage for the story that then unfolds as Catherine tries to make sense of herself and tries to figure out if she shares her father's mental illness. And the audience too tries to understand what is true and what might be a byproduct of madness. For the whole play, everyone involved is seeking that titular proof. As far as the structure, this opening scene makes room for a little interweaving of the past with the present. While the linear structure takes center stage, we dip in and out of Catherine's time with Robert as his caregiver, sometimes supporting and sometimes shaking Catherine's credibility as the author of the work that Hal later finds. Next, let's look at the scene following the end of Act 1, where Hal has discovered the proof and Catherine, Claire, and he face off after Catherine's revelation that she is the author. This was kind of a cliffhanger moment, but there's something gendered about this interaction and the way that Catherine's merits are doubted by both her sister and her new lover. They both have preconceptions about Catherine, her ability, and her mental stability, especially the latter in her sister's case, but they both seem to believe her elderly, infirm, and unstable father was perfectly capable of its creation. In this snippet, Hal suggests an idea for verifying the author, whoever it might be. It still wouldn't show that she wrote it. Why not? Your dad might have written it and explained it to you later. I'm not saying he did, I'm just saying there's no proof that you wrote this. Of course there isn't, but come on. He didn't do this, he couldn't have. 
He didn't do any mathematics at all for years. Even in the good year, he couldn't work. You know that. You're supposed to be a scientist. You're right. Okay, here's my suggestion. I know three or four guys at the department, very sharp, disinterested people who knew your father, knew his work. Let me take this to them. What? I'll tell them we found something, something potentially major. We're not sure about the authorship. I'll sit down with them. We'll go through the thing carefully and figure out exactly what we've got. It would only take a couple of days, probably, and then we'd have a lot more information. This displacement of authority from Hal and Claire and on to the three or four shock and disinterested men feels very telling. Their education and association with Catherine's father gives them credibility and qualifications in this inane exercise. And somehow, being Robert's own daughter does not do the same for Catherine. She is left powerless in her own home, having placed her trust in Hal by giving him the key. As I said, this does feel gendered. The reader or viewer sees Hal using his maleness to gain power in this interaction, becoming the holder of this proof and the judge of its origins. Claire plays a very minor role in this scene, mainly supporting Hal's proposition and openly challenging Catherine's mental stability. The scene feels pretty frustrating to watch or read, as while it contributes to this questioning of Catherine from inside the play and as an audience member, by this point, midway through the play, she feels much more knowable, authentic, and human. We like her and we want her to be the true author of the work. We're rooting for her. Finally, I've touched on it a little already, but I want to examine Catherine's interior conflict and how that manifests externally. This is a play about inheritance and all that entails. Catherine is bound and burdened by her father's legacy. She has lived her whole life in his shadow and continues to do so even after his death. She seems both fearful and hopeful of what she may have inherited from him, whether that is mental illness or a mathematical talent that presumably comes with its own pressures. Here is the close of the play. Still, I don't think I should spend another winter here. There's nothing wrong with you. I think I'm like my dad. I think you are too. I'm afraid I'm like my dad. You're not him. Maybe I will be. Maybe. Maybe you'll be better. It didn't feel amazing or what word did you use? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was just connecting the dots. Some nights I could connect three or four, some nights they'd be really far apart. I'd have no idea how to get to the next one, if there was a next one. He really never knew? No, I worked after midnight. He was usually in bed. Every night? No, when I got stuck, I watched TV. Sometimes if he couldn't sleep, he'd come downstairs, sit with me. We'd talk, not about math, he couldn't, about the movie we were watching. I'd explain the stories, or about fixing the heat, decide we didn't want to. We liked the radiators, even though they clanked in the middle of the night and made the air dry. Or we'd plan breakfast, talk about what we were going to eat together in the morning. Those nights were usually pretty good. I know, it works, but all I can see are the compromises, the approximations. Places where it's stitched together. It's lumpy. Dad's stuff was way more elegant when he was young. Talk me through it. Whatever's bothering you, 
maybe you'll improve it. I don't know. Pick anything. Give it a shot. Maybe you'll discover something elegant. I think this is the real heart of the play here. These characters come from a place of such insecurity, and there's a kind of charm to Catherine's fallibility in the scene, an honesty that she couldn't quite meet earlier in the play. Hell's character is a little more likable here. He's moved away from this previous place of doubt and, let's face it, sexism, and seems to be supporting her now that he has recognised her proven brilliance. By this point in the narrative, so much has been resolved. And this is Catherine's redemption, though tellingly, it remains unclear whether the inheritance of her father extends beyond her mathematical gift and into the territory she continues to fear. Proof is a compelling, moving play that is also simple in its construction and sparing in its number of characters. I think set in the landscape of plays that touch on similar things, flawed humans and science, like Friedrich Dürrenmatt's The Physicist, or Michael Frayn's Copenhagen, for example, proof is certainly less absurd and more realist, with a focus on character development rather than a prop-driven narrative. Catherine alone is a complex character who evolves over the course of the play. For readers who shy away from scientific or mathematic-driven work, you won't find yourself swamped with jargon or feeling left out. The play is much more about the nuances of Robert's inherited legacy than the actual work that made up that legacy in his field. Is this work better than The Lake House? Of course. Should you read it or watch a performance? Absolutely. Auburn gets readers and viewers thinking about their own mortality from that very first scene. There are significant themes dealing with class and education, sexism, and of course, mental health. We even get a little romantic detour when Hal and Catherine first connect. This work matters. We empathize with Catherine's vulnerability. We tear our hair out over Claire's pushiness. And we hunger for every scene that gives us more of Robert and Catherine's tender, complicated father-daughter relationship. I'll leave you with one last snapshot from the play. Robert musing on his own work. If I wanted to work a problem all day long, I did it. If I wanted to look for information, secrets, complex and tantalizing messages, I could find them all around me, in the air, in a pile of fallen leaves some neighbor raked together, in box scores in the paper, Written in the steam coming up off a cup of coffee, the whole world was talking to me. If I just wanted to close my eyes, sit quietly on the porch, and listen for the messages, I did that. It was wonderful. <laughs>